0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro. Parlay. Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio. As always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You are tuned into the Entertainment Edition of the ODPH, and we definitely want to interact with you, so make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on our social media accounts. We're all active there. We talk to everybody. Check out the Tee Public store sale going on this week, Pad. Uh-huh. So there's no better time for you to go get some ODPH swag than right now at Tee Public. Also, check out Parley Point's comic blog reviews. A new wrestling blog is up right now. Coach Duffy has graced us with his presence for not one but two NFL draft blogs. Wow, I'm shocked. I know when I got those emails, I thought we got hacked. But no, happily not. All that, the classified section, the directory if you name it and it's odph it can be found at odphpodcast.com and always remember on social media use the hashtag ODPHPod. pod kicking off this edition of the entertainment show we have to recap one of the wilder episodes in recent memory uh-huh of the mcu on disney plus and i will say this right now as a spoiler free review sure i thought this was the best episode of ...of this show that we have seen thus far. Okay. I thought that this episode actually should have been a little earlier in the series. hmm But I loved what they did here, and it really had me excited for the upcoming finale of what I am assuming is going to be Season 1 of Disney Plus and Marvel Studios' Moon Knight. So this show has been... A very interesting one with fans. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know the character Moon Knight. He's a very complex character, to say the least. In every incarnation we've seen him in the MCU, as in the comics universe, yes, there's a lot going on with him. Obviously, a hero with dissociative identity disorder, and the writing team and Oscar Isaac have really handled this with delicate care. They've really brought this to life. And to see the journey of this hero that had been a cult-like status with Marvel comic readers mm-hmm. brought to the small screen... It's been met with some mixed results, because they have changed around a lot of things from the comics, and they've also kept things the same, too. But I felt with this episode, finally, we got the real, uh, true Moon Knight that we've been waiting to see with the show. Mm -hmm. So that being said, we are going to be talking spoilers about Episode 5, entitled Asylum, from Marvel Studios' Moon Knight. We do a countdown warning for any new listener to avoid spoilers. If you're a long-time listener of the show, you know what to do, and we say thank you for your patronage. But if you're new to the show, we give a countdown. After that countdown, we go deep diving with spoilers. So if you don't want to have the show ruined for you, you know what to do. Pause the episode. The liner notes will be indicated in the show notes so you can jump right back in the conversation when you're ready because we don't want to ruin anything for anybody. So that said, in three... Two, one, pad. What did you think?
1: Uh, I agree with you. This was probably the best episode they've had thus far in the season. You know, I, I understand the whole concept of like maybe this should have been earlier. Maybe it's you know it's at the perfect point. I'm at the I'm in the position where it's at the perfect point. I would say, you know, because it's kind of like a. I feel like the pieces are in place. You know, for the quote unquote final act of the this season. You know, the only thing is, is we had some, maybe some backstory stuff for just a couple extra pieces in the puzzle to fill in before we got to the, you know, got to the end, but it was a really freaking great episode.
0: I really think that this is the best one they've done thus far. Like I will equate it to WandaVision's quality of writing. I think it's up there. Uh, I Obviously dealing with Mark Spector and his past, I thought they really brought it to light. My only complaint with this episode is I thought this should have been either episode three or episode four. Because going into the finale, they're really going to have to speed up a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And that's one aspect that unless they're going to add a bonus uh, episode to the season, which I'm not sure if they're going.
1: They've never done. They're not going to do it.
0: Right. That's the thing. To really speed it up to go to the finale, it's really going to have to either shorten the battle, the final one with Ethan Hawke's character of Harrow. Or they're gonna just leave it on a cliffhanger and come back to it.
1: That's why I say it's you know, it's feeling a lot like Loki. There's too much here. It's not all tied up. It doesn't feel like a WandaVision, where you know where it's gonna end. Mm-hmm. There's too much here. They're gonna do a season two. They just haven't said it
0: yet. Oh yeah, no, I fully believe you they're gonna do a season two. Because where we jump in, Mark Spector is technically dead. hmm And he has now been greeted by the Egyptian goddess Torret, mm-hmm. who is more or less his guide through the afterlife. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing Mark Spector with one of his other identities, Stephen Grant, and the goddess is telling them, yes, you are dead. Mm-hmm. The setting that they are in a hospital is not real. Right. Uh, she explains that, listen, you're in the Duat, which
1: Stephen immediately perks up and he goes, oh, and Mark's got a confused look on his face. He goes, oh, it's, it's the Egyptian version of the afterlife and and she explains uh she being uh uh what is it Tourette Tourette explains to him you know the the duat is a realm of existence that human minds can't comprehend and can't understand so their brain conjures it or shows it to them in a form or a way that they can understand you know so hence why it, you know they're on a, they look like they're in an earthly place and she looks around she goes Although I got to admit, a psychiatric ward is a first for me.
0: Yes. So this really is telling where the episode is going in because where they're on the duat, to get to the afterlife where they want to go, they have to have their judgment weighed. Mm-hmm. And she does this very cool CGI thing. And we have to remember it's the afterlife, so yep. stuff happens. Yep. Where she takes the hearts out of both of them. Ma. And then puts it on the scales of justice as it's referred to. Kalima. Yeah. And this will determine whether they're going to be allowed to go into the eternal realm or they're going to be suffering in purgatory. I guess I got my Indiana Jones wash. Yeah, you did. <laughs> they are definitely doing a lot of indie stuff here. So it it and it plays out very well with the show. But as Twat is trying to put the hearts on the scale, mm-hmm. they are definitely not. Balance. No, and, it's and not Tore, sitting still. No, Torah is trying to figure out, okay, what's going on? And basically is saying, you need to figure this out before you go.
1: You got to settle. Whatever you guys got going on, you got to settle this. And mm-hmm. you've only got so much time.
0: Yes. And it gets revealed that there is something going on that Mark is hiding mm-hmm. that is causing this imbalance. And Stephen Grant's character is like the innocent bystander here Yep, because he has no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then Mark is being very, very defensive as Stephen is running through the hospital trying to uncover his past. Yep. And as they go into one room, they see this very gruesome scene of all the bodies mm. that Mark Spector has killed being a mercenary. That yeah. is his background.
1: And I think it was in, like, another room of, like, the psychiatric hospital, you know, it was, it was. and it was almost like the chairs were in a row and everyone was sitting there, like, they're watching, you know a movie or something that played out on a projector but they're all just sitting there and and steven goes what the hell is this
0: Mm -hmm. it's kind of a wild thing going on but this is where steven is saying he wants answers because this is all uncomfortable for him and mark is just basically saying don't worry about it don't worry about it brush it off Mm -hmm. until steven catches a young boy yeah in the far end of the room and as he goes to chase him Mark is very adamant about stopping this from going on. Yeah,
1: pay no attention to the little boy in the room.
0: Right. But as Steven goes and catches up with him, he gets taken back to a young memory of Uh Mark Spector. Uh And where everything was in a good place at one point. Uh With his family, he had a younger brother. We know his name, Randall. Yep. And this takes us back to where... An ill-fated adventure mm-hmm. in caves that were flooding due to a rainstorm caused the death of his brother.
1: And this is after they went to leave the house. The father was building a treehouse or something, and the mother looks at uh, Mark and says, and really impresses upon him, you're the older brother. It's your job to take care of him. You know, And, of course, Mark's playing, the, oh, why do I have to? I don't want to be a blah, blah, blah. But she goes, no, you got to pay pay attention and take care of your brother. It's your job.
0: Yes. So after he is blamed for the death of his brother, there is a complete disconnect from Mark's mother and him. Mm -hmm. And this becomes a very evident problem moving forward in his life.
1: Yeah, I mean the brother, obvious or the brother Mark obviously feels guilty about it. He feels horrible about it. There's a scene. It's one of his birthdays after the death has happened. The mother doesn't want anything to be there. It's only the father there. The father's, you know, the linchpin trying to hold everything together for the family. You know, the mother storms off and goes upstairs, and Mark says, she's not going to come, is she? He goes, no, she doesn't mean it. Let me go talk to her. You know, and he goes off and he tries to get her, but, like, the mother just could not give any less fucks.
0: No, absolutely not. And as you see, Mark is trying to cope with the rejection of his mother. He is in his room, and he's staring at a poster on the wall. Mm Mm-hmm. And notably on that poster is the name of Stephen Grant,
1: yeah, it looks like a movie poster, ironically, for what appears to be an Indiana Jones type character, mm-hmm. you know, and the poster has this little catchphrase, you know, oh, if anybody can do it, and I'm paraphrasing anybody can do it, Stephen Grant can do it yes and, and of course Stephen Grant our Stephen Grant, who's taking all this in, sees the poster yes, and goes, "What the hell is this
0: and realizes that he was the escaped personality or the escapism for what was going on coping mechanism yeah yeah so it's a very heavy scene mm-hmm. to say the least and as we see a little further in life than when mark breaks away from the family because the mother is rejecting him you start to see about how his path became to heading towards being a mercenary like they yeah. do speed up a little bit oh so, yeah yeah so there's a jump but you obviously see there is the traumatic effect of basically losing his family yeah and how that has taken a toll on mark and his escapism like you pointed out pad was the creation of Stephen Grant?
1: So as the plot twist happens, Stephen, our Stephen Grant isn't real, right? It's it's just another side of Mark Spector, mm-hmm. which I made me sit up and go, oh shit. Yeah, no, I, I thought
0: this was done brilliantly on the show, and I thought Oscar Isaac's acting in this was just spot on. Could not have done a better job with this. Then you do get a little more flash forward though about Mark Spector's time in Egypt. The, mm. first, the first go-around. Yeah. Because when all this information is coming out, Mark Spector is basically trying to stop the memory, and he finally reveals to Stephen his whole origin of how he got connected to Khonshu.
1: Which we kind of got you know, an inkling of or a little bit of the story of that we
0: actually see it now. Yes. So you see how he was set up by people he was on a mission with, how he was not responsible for the death of uh, Layla's father. Yep. And you do see how he's dying on the altar of Khonshu mm-hmm. and how Kanshu speaks to him. And basically, Stephen is now seeing how Mark Spector was more or less set up by Khonshu. Yeah. Like, that was the the feeling that he was taking advantage of because he was dying. That now he's un- unwillingly brought into this or whole world of Kanshu, but Kanshu gave him a second chance at life. Yeah. So to see how this is all kind of going together, it is a very, very intense moment. Mm-hmm. And one that you, as the viewer at home, are now understanding, okay, everything that he's gone through, and now you see the formation of Moon Knight. So you do get his origin, and they did more or less do it right to the comics. Sure. So I thought it was great. Like I was like, I wish this was done earlier, just so we can get to the finale if we're going to wrap this saga up this season. But I wasn't mad about this at all. But after this all goes down, the scales appear to start getting balanced. Mm -hmm. But this is where... Tourette is starting to notice that stuff is going on.
1: Yeah, because they, to get to this whole experience, they went inside some doors that were on the dock of the boat. And then they went through this whole ordeal and this experience, and they come out of the boat, and it's not in focus. The camera's out of focus with the stuff going on in the background, you know, but you can clearly see stuff falling out of the sky, stuff running through the sky, you know, and they go up to Tourette and they go, What the, what the hell's going on? And she basically says, Something's not right you know souls are getting judged before it's their time and they're getting thrown into the sands when they really shouldn't be it she's like it's utter chaos
0: yes so when she notices this is going on they both convince her we need to go back to the land of, to the real world we can't go back yeah. to we can't be amongst the undead we need to go back and stop Harrow once and for all.
1: Cause, yeah, because they they fill her in on yeah, this is Harrow. You know, he's trying to bring back this other Egyptian god. You yeah, know, I'm and it's like we get you know we're the only ones who can stop him. You know, yeah. and she's like, "Do you really? You know, from all from what I can tell, you guys clearly want nothing to do with Khonshu. Do you really want to go back and put yourself in contact with him again?" And they're like, "Yeah, it's the only option."
0: Yes, because those ominous words when Kanshu was in prison said, "Mark, come free me." So we are kind of seeing the prophecy now coming true there. Meanwhile, they do a quick jump around, though, because we do get another shot of Ethan Hawke's character of Harrow being the psychiatrist. Uh-huh. And they go back into the uh, his office, and he's talking with Mark. And basically, this is where he is trying to really convince Mark that no, you're, you've never been moon night. This is the situation. You've always been here this and really kind of try and dismay him, but it's not working.
1: And if you can't figure out if this is real or a a hallucination or not, keep in mind, they're in a psychiatric hospital and this is the office of a psychiatric doctor. There's way too many sharp objects in that room for it to be a psychiatric hospital. Mm -hmm. So so like, that's a, that's a dead giveaway right there that there are so many sharp objects in that room that I'm like okay yeah this is clearly a hallucination
0: yeah because it is, it's pictures of his fragmented mind yeah like that's the, that's the way I took it too as well Pat that there is just so much that's shattered and you can see just those edges coming out that yeah this is all Mark in his head trying to reconcile what's going on yeah but once they kind of break through they go back onto the duot mm-hmm. and this is where they are going okay things are not going to be balanced we're going back to the real world and while they're trying to steer into Osiris's w- w- realm, because that's the only way they can get back, mm-hmm. they're now getting attacked by the undead. Yep. In a very cool CGI fight, I gotta say. Oh, yeah. Because they're almost like the Sandman. Yeah, I from, thought that. From Spider-Man. And nobody can really land a punch and dismay him. And this really turns into a wild scenario, because during this melee, Stephen Grant is taken off the boat. hmm So once he is taken off the boat... The scales are now finally set because
1: well, because well, isn't it Stephen saves Mark? Yes, Mark. Mark's about to get taken off, and then Stephen sacrifices himself by taking out the thing attacking Mark and goes overboard.
0: Yeah, because originally too, it did look like the scales were were lined up. They were slowing down. They were slowing down. So I was yeah, you know, I have to really correct about that. But then they finally line up here, right? But obviously, was Stephen Grant now lost in? the afterworld yeah mark specter is now just going straight forward and it looks like he's finally reached the afterlife well, well he reaches the paradise he's he for.
1: reaches the field of reeds you know that's the last shot we see him is him finding himself in the field
0: of reeds yes so now where do we go from here because that's how the episode has left us mm-hmm Pat, I don't know what to expect out of here.
1: All I know is, in some fashion, uh, Mark's going to come back to the real world, and as was pointed out to him and uh, Steven during the episode, it's going to be a real issue for them to come back because you're going to come back with a bullet hole in your chest. Yes. So he's going to have that to deal with. And then you also have to deal with, you know, Layla or he, whoever gets their first, freeing Khonshu and giving him the level playing field he's going to need to take on Harrow. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I I know he's going to come back and he's going to somehow, you know, not die again. You know, and then obviously we're going to get Kanchu back and then we're going to get that final battle. But where it goes past that, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I'm really not sure where we're going here. I'm, And I don't mean that in a bad sense because I think it all points to we're going to finally see Oscar Isaac reemerge as Mark Spector, the soul moon knight. Ready for that final battle.
1: Well, don't forget we did see that one sarcophagus in the psychiatric ward that was uh really trying to get out.
0: Yes. So we're not sure if that's conshu mm-hmm. or I, I know they haven't introduced him, but there is the Jake Lockley persona that from the comics. Could that be him? It's really unsure. I I'm gonna lean though it's Conshu. Maybe. Because that's the whole point of free me, free me, free me that he was saying earlier. And I think that that's how they're going to wind up doing this because somehow Conshu gets unleashed onto the field of reeds, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. and this is where he he gets marked back, and then the final shot is going to be basically leaving on that cliffhanger. Right. That's the only way I can kind of really see it play out because otherwise, I think this would just be an anticlimactic battle, you know, with Harrow and uh, Ethan Hawke has done such an amazing job that I really want to see them get. <coughs> I want to see them get their time because I think that it would really play up to the strengths of the story and where we can go from here. But if they don't and they leave this as a cliffhanger, I think I'd be okay with that as well. Yeah. Because like you touched upon, they haven't officially announced season two, but there's so much that there's they got to tie into unless next week is a longer episode. Yeah, well, it probably will be. Right, but I'm talking like an hour and a half maybe or something I like don't that. think it'll be that like, long. Like I say, they're usually not that long, but I do think it'll go like maybe an hour ten.
1: Man, yeah, that seems more likely.
0: Yeah, they might do something like that. Just because usually episodes like this need that extra time frame to do it. But I'm just not sure how this is all going to shape up to be other than Mark escapes the Afterworld, comes back, kanshu resurrects him, because that has happened numerous times in the comics. And that's where we left it with the final battle of what's going to go on. It's definitely been worth the watch, though, I will say. And this episode just really nailed... Everything I was hoping for with the show, they've handled it with very delicate hands, and they've and Oscar Isaac has really done a fantastic job as the lead character here. How this is all going to play out, though, we got one more week to wait and see. But final thoughts on this episode, Pat?
1: Uh, great episode, like I said, best one they've done thus far, and I'm excited to see where they go for the uh, season finale.
0: I'm right there with you. So, ODPH Society, hit us up, let us know what is your thoughts about Asylum episode five of disney plus and marvel studios moon knight we want to talk we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back
2: hello everyone my name is nick i'm the host of Nikolai's kitchen and i'm also the host of the annual live stream for the cure
0: Coming back for another segment of this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and it's time to talk about one of our favorite shows. Yes. Usually, it's a home run each episode. hmm But this week, man, there's a lot that we have to decipher about.
1: More of a ground rule double than a home run, I would say.
0: Yes, which is very unlikely, but yet here we are, because Superman and Lois this week on The CW really was not a wow episode
1: yeah i mean their last episode was on march 29th you know so all, almost a month we'll call it a month mm-hmm. just for simplicity's sake you know so you take a month off i you know especially with where they've been going had some expectations for what i expected to see when they came back and to say they didn't meet my expectations would be a bit of an understatement
0: yes because this whole <laughs> season of the family the first family of smallville they have been dealing with a surprise villain an antagonist in bizarro mm-hmm. the longtime superman villain from the comics yep and to see how his story is playing out and how they've really kind of flipped in it on its ear has been very cool and like we've always said tyler hochland is, is clark kent has been really winning fans over left and right each episode yeah. elizabeth Tolik as lois lane has been absolutely brilliant in her role too the kent sons have been a fantastic jordan elsass is jonathan Kent, who i think is like the mvp of the show. Has really stepped his game up for this. Alex Garfin is Jordan Ken has always done a great job, and everybody else has brought in the middle here has really balanced the show out and really given some new life to Superman that everybody had maybe lost faith in with mm-hmm. you know the the more grittier version that we've seen in the DC movie universe. And as do Bizarro, we weren't sure exactly how this was going to play out, but they've definitely tied in a lot of interesting characters in and obviously dealing with a cult leader who's trying to break on through to the other side. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the other sides. Yes. And with Allie Alliston has been a very interesting story to try playing. And last we saw, Superman went through the time warp and was in Bizarro World. Mm -hmm. And this is going to catch us up to speed where he is. But once we get deep diving into it, I think you'll understand about why Pat and I both were like, okay, what are we doing here? So that being the case, you know the deal by now, we are going to start talking spoilers of episode 10 entitled Bizarro's in a Bizarro World. So if you have not seen this episode yet, and we give you fair warning now, pause right here and then jump in the conversation after you caught up, because once we get going, we like to stop. That being said, in three, two, one, Pad, what did you think?
1: I really love, you know, Superman and Lois. I turned my dad onto it, and he is not very much a, a superhero guy. You know, he's seen Batman, you know, when that was in theaters back in the 80s. He saw the Christopher Reeve films when those were back in in theaters, you know, back in the 70s. He he, he uh, grew up reading some comics over the years, but, like, he's not really that much into it these days. You know, he doesn't go see all the Marvel stuff unless it's one of the big ones. You know, he's not really much of a DC movies guy you know i've I've taken him to a few but he's never been, been over the moon about it you know so i got my dad turned on to this and and more often than not i really love each and every episode some of them are better than others obviously but up to this week i had yet to have an episode where i got out of it and and sat there and go what the hell did i just do with the last hour of my life and and i'll be honest that was my reaction after watching this episode you know i didn't watch it live i, I dvr'd it on hulu and i went back to watch it for lunch uh, earlier today as we record you know and i sat there watching it and i got to the end of this and i go well that was an hour of my life wasted you know it it did nothing to further the plot with the overall story despite the fact that it started off kind of with one of the scenes we had already seen so i'm like okay it's just a superman going into the into the portal you know, we hadn't seen him in, I think it was like two, three, two, technically two, three episodes, mm-hmm. you know, so we're picking up on that. It's been, it's been a month plus since we've really seen him just to refresh people's memories. Awesome. And then we go through it and I just did not like it.
0: This episode really hurt because they were jumping around the entire episode in the timeline. Mm-hmm. And it was confusing yep. to watch. Uh-huh. And this is something that I don't know if they're trying to say things run differently in Bizarro World, but if that's the case, they missed the mark yeah. with the viewers. Yeah. Because where we jump in, Superman crashes through and goes to Bizarro Land. Yeah, he's in space
1: above a cubed Earth. Not a spherical Earth, it's a cube.
0: Right. And then he's kind of catching up with what he thinks is his family but isn't.
1: Yeah, he, he, I think he goes to, he, well, first he goes into low orbit over the earth and he tries using his powers, but as is the issue there, it's a red sun, it's mm-hmm. not a yellow sun, so his powers kind of are starting to weaken already. And then he goes, oh, why don't I go to his fortress of solitude, conveniently in the same place that he has his on his earth, you know, meets with his, uh, the hologram of his, this ver- earth's version of his mother. You know, and then Jonathan shows up and and they're like, oh, hey, Allie's, you know, doing Allie things. We got to go back to the farm because it's the only place safe right now. Yes. And then it goes to commercial, comes back, and it's in a whole different point of the timeline.
0: Yeah. And then you catch up to Bizarro Superman. Uh-huh. and you see his family is like the Kardashians pretty much.
1: Which I think the scene they came back with after the commercial break was one we had already seen Yeah. in a prior episode. So I got real confused. I'm like, wait, what the hell is going on? You know, why are we now in a limo and the entire family's there?
0: Yeah. So now you're seeing the family is being celebrities and you're seeing that Jonathan has developed powers. Mm-hmm. So unlike our Earth, he is the he is the Superboy in line here mm-hmm. to take the mantle. Mm-hmm. So you do see him do a stoppage of a crime, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden the the media has taken wind of him. Yep, he is dressed though. I have to applaud. He was dressed like nineteen nineties uh, Connor Kent with a leather yes. jacket. so yes. it was a nice little homage, a little a little mix of that and the uh, more traditional Connor Kent black Superman mm-hmm. shirt. So I was digging this. Yeah. And you this was probably I the one aspect I was really happy is Jordan Elsass really got some strong material to work with because you started seeing how once he developed his powers and the media was trying to brand him mm-hmm. as his own superhero, changing yeah. his name to John L because Cal L was so obsessed about, you know, keeping up the family image.
1: Well and, and Jordan who gotta say jordan uh the 2005 pop punk emo phase called they want their their clothes back oh my god that was so good christ i remember seeing those clothes in that hairstyle when i was in high school you know i gotta give jordan elsass credit though for this episode he was he was the one thing i think i liked about this episode he was great in this episode but they're going through the whole branding phase, and oh, you know, because this is—it's almost like, uh, it's almost like, uh, what is it? Uh, the boys. Yes. It was almost like the boys type of shit, where it's like, oh, we got to worry about our look and our and our name and our this and our that, and they're trying to come up with a name. And Jordan goes, "What about Superboy?" And Jonathan just looks at him and goes, "What are you fucking nuts?" No, yeah, yeah. I, I love that.
0: It was very cool because I christened that he is now Superboy Prime. Like oh, that's how oh, that's. Lord. That's all I think this is going to come across because now that his powers have enhanced. And to see how his actions were going because he got seduced by fame. Mm-hmm. he's now buying into it. He has his own like hand symbol yeah. to, you know to to market. And like everything was all about yeah. the fame and popularity. So it wasn't about with great power comes great responsibility. It was about with great powers comes a great paycheck. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. And this is where everything kind of goes crazy because you see just how toxic it becomes. Mm-hmm. And how you do see that Allie has kind of worked her way into being a media figure and spinning Jordan as, like, the true hero of this world and just kind of goes into a different direction. So yeah. we do see that Ali is here, and then super, then they kind of jump around again. So you're getting, like, Superman's getting caught up about this. You're seeing how he's eventually turning into Bizarro.
1: Right, and the one thing we do get before we get the end of, like, Kardashian Superman, I guess we'll call him, mm-hmm. is... There's a blowout between him and Lois where Jonathan's already left. He's not at the house, and Clark's getting blamed for that. But then Lois and Jordan go to leave, and there's a blowout between them because – Clark's never home and Clark's like oh I'm a superhero I go where I'm needed I'm needed all over the place yeah but you're never here for us you know you're always doing interviews and doing this I've cut back on the interviews What do you want me to cut back on them all together yes so there's this very ugly blowout between the two of them
0: yeah it's absolutely crazy to see how Superman and Lois just get so toxic Mm -hmm. towards each other but you do see how this is a different Superman now he's just become so obsessed with it and then he is trying to vent to his good friend and brother, Tal Rowe. Yep. Who winds up picking up Lana Lane. or Lana Lane, yeah. At a bar. Yeah. And thus, they wind up getting married. It almost looked like in a Vegas ceremony. Yeah,
1: and I think even that scene was further back in the time. Again, time jump. Yeah, they time that jumped. That scene so was much. further back than anything we had seen. Because the whole scene in the bar starts off with Clark telling his brother Tal... Oh hey, we're pregnant. Yeah. So what the what the fuck is going on here?
0: Yeah, the time jumps were something that really hurt this episode, and mm-hmm. and really as we were trying to put this together, we're like, this is all out of sequence.
1: And I didn't realize until later in the episode that to figure out where we were or who we were looking at, I had to look at the logo. Yeah. Because it was just it, it was just you know Superman as he looked. You know, I wasn't paying attention to low. It wasn't until. Halfway through the episode, I went, oh, shit. That's how, we, that's how you tell what one we're, we're looking at is the logo.
0: Yeah. So they do this kind of jumping around, and we see that our Superman finally figures out what's going on and makes his play to stop John L. And obviously the rest of the Smallville cast that we know has dramatically changed. Mm-hmm. We do see that Lois is sitting there and basically is... Tr- Helping Jana, like she's just turned her back on Superman. completely. She
1: seems at least the closest to the counterpart we know mm-hmm. on Earth, you know. Whereas uh, there was a lot of inverse. Like you look at Lana and our, and you know the Earth One universe, and then Lana in this universe, kind of like a night and day difference. I've here with like Lana in our in our universe, or the main universe. You know, she's this upstanding now mayoral mayor of, of Smallville, family values. You know, doesn't take any crap. And in this one, she's like this. Biker, biker, check. You know that's that's bartending at the at the biker bar or something. Yeah, but it, but with Lois, it seems like she's the closest to her counterpart because she does you know still work at the at the local newspaper. Mm-hmm. We find out you know, and then you know it, it just seems like she's the closest.
0: She's the closest, but there's still that descent towards Superman and anything that he represents. So that's True. where it comes in because she winds up siding with John, and then when everybody is trying to stop Allie who's now going to finally merge with her other self and then become the most powerful being in the universe allegedly. This is where Superman is trying to make his play. You do see that Anderson after he jumped through the time warp which was another confusing thing he never merged with his person Yep. and He
1: tried to but uh, Allie was there and said, stop him, stop him, stop him. So, uh, jo- Jordan, no, Jonathan. John L. John L. Uh, used his heat breath and burned the shit out of uh, the their version of uh, Anderson.
0: Yes. So, now, our Anderson decides to team up with our Superman. And they're making that final fight. Now, this is how basically everything ties in. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the episode, this is basically after we now sat through about 45 minutes of just random Mm -hmm. shots all over the place and we
1: did see Allie merge together with the counterpart version and as they said she's now more powerful than any military force on that earth Mm -hmm.
0: so that has now happened so they have more or less failed on their mission Mm -hmm. but you do see john l fighting anderson now that was a cool scene to to finish off the show but we do see anderson was killed yet again yeah But he at least made peace with Clark before he died. Yeah, which was
1: nice. He he realized, oh, hey, I kind of fucked up.
0: Yeah, he got his redemption story, but it was like too little, too late at this stage. Because, you know, Superboy Prime, that's what I'm just going to call John L. at this stage, takes him out and is basically told by Allie, go to Earth, your planet, or go to the other planet and start merging with yourself and let's just go take over everything.
1: Mm -hmm, Which he does. And then we see the scene, again, we've already seen before of him showing up at the Earth 1 Kent farm. That's not that's not Jonathan. And then oh, oh, they ask about Clark. And it's the whole scene we've already seen before.
0: Yeah, because the only thing that changed really was we understand how Clark got back to our Earth because bizarro Talro Tal turned on Lana and turned on everybody and tried fighting his way out of it. Yep. And then we, yeah, we get the same, same scenes that we left off with. So I mean,
1: literally in the 40 whatever minutes the episode took place. And, you know, not counting the commercials, like the hour it was on television, the story literally made no progress forward. No, it didn't. Like we got the origin story of Bizarro, which was okay, fine. You know, that that's fine and dandy. But like outside of that, for having waited a month for the show to come back, really a bit of a lead balloon.
0: No, I agree with you completely. Like there, It just kind of seemed like we just ran around in a circle for no reason.
1: Well, I wouldn't even call it a circle. You ran around like a toddler with a toy who didn't want to give it back to mom and dad.
0: Yeah, I mean, and this is just such a weird misstep for this show. Because usually it's on point. Usually they are very spot on with where the direction they want to go with. This was jumping around so much, it was so confusing. Mm-hmm. That the only real takeaways you need to know is... We have Superboy Prime pretty much in this universe. Mm-hmm. He's now come to the real, I almost said 616, but I, I know that's not the case, folks. Earth Prime. And he's going to try taking over that world because Allie told him to.
1: I would—I think it would have been all right with this episode if you started off how the episode did, went to commercial, and then came back and then said however many weeks or however much yeah, time. Yeah, gave it the timeline. like, And then done it in order. Yeah. Don't jump around. Don't bounce back and forth. Don't make me sit there and try to figure out who's who and where, and where we are in the timeline. Put it in sequential order. Just make sense. So I can at least sit there and go, oh, okay, we're doing, you know, an origin story kind of like a, here's how we got there on this earth and to fill in a little
0: bit. Yeah, they should have definitely done that because this was just so all over the place. It was bad. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way to say it. And I hate, I literally hate saying it about this show, but I was like, Mike. God, man, what were we doing here? And I know that they'll they'll bounce back. Like the, oh yeah. Like I mean, sure, every every series has one bad episode in it at least. But this was so odd to see them misfire this badly. I guess because this is the benchmark that we've set pretty much every single. Oh yeah. You know, DC, CW, Arrowverse show on par with. And to see them misfire as badly as they did, man, mm-hmm. it's disappointing. Disappointing on a whole bunch of different levels. But if this means we get Superboy Prime in this universe, then maybe it was all for nothing. Or all for something then. Because otherwise it was all for nothing. Yeah. Man, a lot to digest with this episode. But hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHPod. We gave you our takes about bizarros in a bizarro world. Now we want to hear yours, ODPH Society. Did you love this episode? Did you hate it? And let's talk about why. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Has this ever happened to you? You're in bed, drifting off, and suddenly think...
3: Who would win in a tug-of-war match between Superboy and Merlin? Did Marvel ever try
0: to make a long-haul trucker into a superhero?
3: How would it work out if I named my dog after a D-list supervillain?
0: The answers in order are Merlin. Yes. And amazing.
3: I'm Jessica. And I'm Mike. And we host the podcast Ten Cent Takes, a show that looks at weird, silly, and cool moments from comics, and how they're woven into the larger fabric of history. Moments
0: like the time Superman shielded for Radio Shack.
3: When Archie got tempted by the devil.
0: Oh, and then there was that time that DC Comics gave a superhero AIDS in an effort to be topical.
3: It's always weird around here, but we'd like to think it's also interesting.
0: So come with us, and commit random acts of pop culture archaeology, one issue at a time.
3: If you'd like to learn more, head over to TenCentTakes.com.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it's time to talk about the real flagship of The Walking Dead universe, and that's Fear the Walking Dead. Now, this season has been building towards the epic battle that, if you've been a longtime viewer of the show, you're going to definitely get into. If you're a new time watcher, you're definitely going to have a lot to enjoy when these major characters are on screen, and that's Lenny James's Morgan and Coleman Domingo's Strand. And how they've been doing this, Pat, is ever since the nuclear warhead went off. It's a whole new playing field in this fear of the walking dead universe. Mm -hmm. Strand has emerged as a governor type character who now lives in a tower and is basically forcing his will about his dictatorship amongst the survivors of this blast. And he is at odds with Morgan and they've had some standoffs and some, you know, skirmishes the past couple episodes throughout the few seasons here. They don't get along. And Morgan is hellbent in high water, convinced about taking Strand down once and for all. And this episode, though, they're trying to introduce how all the bit players are now getting involved. Right. Because of the cast. They're borrowing a lot from the flagship show, which I don't like. And I'll get into it as we start going into this episode. And spoiler-free version of this, not my favorite episode. Why? Well, let's talk about it. You know the deal by now, folks. ODPH Society is time for me to start breaking down a deep dive of Morning Cloak, episode 10 of this season's Fear the Walking Dead. So, that being said, in three, two, one. Okay, so I was not a big fan of this episode because it basically wasted 50 minutes to get Jen Elfman's character of June, the nurse that is in Strand's compound, fired up to take Strand down. Mm. Literally, that's all they did was find a way to get her mad. Because the entire episode is about a Romeo and Juliet-esque romance. Mm-hmm. Because you have Allie, who is a young teenage boy, who is trying to become a ranger for Strand. Right. And Strand sends him on a ridiculous uh, earn, uh test of his loyalty to Strand. Yeah, yeah. Because Howard, who is Strand's number one guy, he says, "Okay, you have to go out into the in the woods, go find a butterfly, jar it up, and bring it back." Yeah, it, you know, it, and it's such a ridiculous task. As he goes out there, he is more or less ca- or taken advantage of um, for his supplies by Charlie, who we do know from a couple previous seasons. Alexa Nielsen plays her. And she is a survivor of the blast that Athena saved, and now we see her reemerge. So during this time, you're seeing them kind of having a little, you know, standoff about you know who's fighting who. Zombies are appearing. You also see Howard and John Dory Senior appear, and they basically say, "Yeah, we're going to take you both back." And I have no problem seeing John Dory Senior playing. It's Keith Carradine, so mm-hmm. I'm all in for this. And they're the reluctant people working for Strand because Strand took them in when they were sick and, and they're out on their own. So I understand that aspect of this. But what it all comes down to is Howard basically says, all right, what are you doing here? And Charlie is you know trying to pledge her allegiance to Strand too. And they are basically given the ultimatum. Strand wants this piece of equipment. And is basically really saying, okay, if you really want to come here and do this, you need to go out and go get this. Mm -hmm. And during this point, Howard sends Charlie off and he also sends Allie with him or with her rather. So they go take off and then they're breaking into this highly radioactive area to go get this piece of equipment that they want to go get. And it's just it doesn't make any damn sense, right? It it really doesn't, because as they're going through it, they're kind of like falling in love for each other like out of nowhere. There's this uh, the only cool scene is Allie was getting basically jumped by the uh, stalkers who are the uh, group de jour mm-hmm. so to speak, the third players here when they are trapped in a bowling alley. You kind of hear of Allie breaking down his story to Charlie, and then, you know you're having that. Nice little back and forth between them. So it's really just like, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense of what they're doing. It, it just really didn't. Right. Because you have this romance. Like, all of a sudden now they're in love with each other. And getting basically jumped. Allie's smart enough. Like, he knows this area rather well. He winds up unleashing a bunch of walkers on the stalkers. They take them out. They go up, they find the the piece of equipment that they need, which actually is for an elevator. Mm -hmm. And during this highly radioactive wasteland that they're in, Charlie decides to fess up her true feelings about why she's there. And guess what? She's working for Morgan. Oh, of course. And decides to tell Allie. Which, what does he do so rationally? Locks her in an elevator shaft. Oh, of course. And then tries taking off. Howard kind of says... All right, did you get the part? Yeah, they get the part, because they do. And then suddenly, well, he now has a sudden change of heart. Mm-hmm. And then Allie goes, tries saving Charlie. Guess what? Charlie is now sick, because guess what? You're walking in a radioactive field Yeah, of a building. So they wind up coming back. And when they get back, Howard is basically like, well, you can stay here. You've earned it. You know, strandle appreciate what you did. And then what about Charlie? Well, Charlie is now in the infirmary. Right. And she now has radiation poisoning that she now has days. Mm. left. So Allie decides to do this whole thing about like given like one last romance, like date thing that he now frees all the butterflies that were in the room. Yeah. So now they have like their own like little sequence and He decides to take it upon himself that, you know what, Allie, I'm going to do, or Charlie, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to do the mission that you wanted for Morgan, which is to take out the spotlight for the tower so they could sneak in and take over the tower. Gotcha. How do you think this goes over?
1: Like a fart in church.
0: Oh, yeah, because Allie, who is completely sloppy in his demeanor, goes up on the rooftop, thinks he's going to sneak in there. And lo and behold, who is up there waiting for him? Howard and a bunch of the forces of Strand. And when Allie tries being so slick, well, he winds up getting chucked off the roof. And right in front of Charlie's face. Nice. Yeah. And to this point, you start seeing Charlie freaking out. Howard comes down and basically says, we had to do what we had to do. And June, now all of a sudden, is saying, well this is going to be why we take down strand because this kind of, you know, dictatorship you're doing, you've now killed somebody that didn't need to die. You sent Charlie off in to go get your piece of equipment and there was no real purpose for it. And then they're basically just trying to say, John is also Dory seniors trying to do something Mm -hmm. to sneak into strands, inner circle, and basically work his way to help Morgan from the inside. End of episode. So, really, what did we do here, Pat? A whole shitload of nothing. Yeah, exactly. I sat here and I'm like, okay, so we're going to have this random romance. All right, fine, cool, TV, get it, what have you. You're sending kids into a radioactive cesspool to go get an elevator piece. This this magical piece of equipment. And yet you wonder what is going to happen here. You got teenagers with high emotions and Allie who kept going back and forth about like, what was he going to do? It just doesn't make any damn sense no matter what. And then to see him flip on Charlie, get her sick because she's trapped in the elevator for a little bit. Cause the zombies are going to go eat her. And then suddenly she's now terminally sick. And this like the whole like teenage th- like I say, the Wonderland with all the butterflies going around. Like, stop. Like, this was really pointless. You didn't do anything except we already knew June and John Sr. did not want to work with Strand to begin with, but this was the tipping point? Like, come on. I'm sorry. I expect more from this show because this is something that really felt like the flagship show. And I and I noticed that earlier that this is the true flagship show, but let's face it, this was something like I was straight up with Walking Dead. This is just somewhere they just went around in circles for 45, 50 minutes and then finally said, okay, well, this is the reason why we did this. Hooray. Didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I have faith it will rebound. But, man, was not super amped up about this episode. Not at all. I think next week we're going to see more of the uh, remaining survivors of this group reappear and they'll be declaring their uh, allegiance for either Strand or Morgan. But not a lot to be desired for for this week. I got to say that, though. So that being said, that was my take on Morning Cloak from Fear the Walking Dead. Hit me up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your feelings on this episode if you caught it? Let's talk about it, shall we? And are you excited about this season of Fear the Walking Dead? I think they're setting up for something big, but they're taking their sweet time getting there. But that's just my opinion. I want to hear yours. So hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> This
4: is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Siderun Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no know, one knows my name. To the desert, the oceans, or the plains.
0: I wanna... Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, what you got?
1: Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, the first of which surprised the hell out of, I think, everybody. Including fans of the series and people who aren't fans of the series. Uh, less than a week after it went into pro- production, uh, and I know that because uh, the main actor posted on his own Instagram uh, day one uh, on April 20th. So literally, like, not even a week later, uh, it was announced by the folks over at Deadline and the Fast and Furious, or sorry, Fast Saga. Facebook oh,
0: yeah, excuse you, Fast excuse Saga
1: you. Facebook page uh that just director justin lynn would be stepping down as director of the the next installment of the franchise uh he wrote uh on a statement saying quote with the support of universal i have made the difficult decision to step back as of uh, director of fast x while remaining with the project as a producer over 10 years and five films we have been able to shoot the best actors <clears throat> the best stunts and the best damn car chases on a personal note as the child of asian immigrants i am proud to uh, proud of helping to build the most diverse franchise in movie history i will forever be grateful to the amazing cast crew and studio for their support and for welcoming me into the fast family close quote uh, so like we mentioned production just started like a week ago. Yeah. So this is already not good and it's going to be and it's costing Universal quite a bit of money uh, because from an article on variety.com that reads uh, in part quote sources from different studios with experience replacing directors midstream estimated that it could be costing Universal upwards of 600,000 to 1 million dollars a day. Jeez. Much of the cost depends on whether production on any major set pieces were already underway. The bigger the action beats, the more pricey the delay, which suggests that Lin made his decision to vacate the director's chair so early into the shoot to avoid even bigger cost overruns further down the production calendar. There's also the matter of the franchise's newest stars, Jason Momoa and Brie Larson, as well as Charlize Theron, who's returning for a third appearance as the villain Cypher. All three are dedicated to ongoing franchises that require their time and attention. So delays could necessitate some hasty and costly changes to accommodate their busy schedules. Close quote. So it's sounds from what it's sounding like Lynn exited due to a uh, difference of uh, creative differences, because why else would you leave a week into production? Yeah, of course there was the video Vin Diesel put out on his Instagram asking Vin about how shooting was going and I'm sorry, that video is awkward as fuck. It's still up on his Instagram, and if it's not, YouTube it. It's awkward.
0: Yeah, uh, like everything about this just reads, there is major problems here. Uh-huh. And I don't care how you want to spin it. If you're a director leaves after a week after a week
1: and it and it's a movie he
0: helped co-write yeah
1: which tells me there's going to be a probably a fair number of rewrites during this well that's the whole
0: thing i mean it's like you 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 it, this is your project and then you go, nah, I'm good after you spent this much time investing in the writing uh-huh. and the producing and all this jazz. And like I understand he's staying on as as a producer, but to what degree? I mean uh, not much. Yeah. Probably in name only. Well, that's the whole thing. So it's like, why are you you know, there is just more that we're gonna hear about this movie coming out, unfortunately, that I think we're not going to like.
1: No, and it and I'm starting to think it's lending credence to the whole Dwayne Johnson, Vin Diesel thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that at the time, I thought it was just two guys with, you know, big, big, you know, top Hollywood box office type personalities, that it was just them button heads and this and that. And I'm starting to think that like, okay, Dwayne Johnson, who's like the nicest, most approachable person on the planet. I mean, Christ, he puts videos out of him you know, they got the the sightseeing tours they do wherever he lives where they go and show you the celebrities' houses. Mm-hmm. He'll drive right up next to those tour buses and say, hey, hi, how you doing? You know, seems like the nicest, most approachable guy. He couldn't get along with Vin Diesel. Yeah. And now you've got Justin Lin, who's been there for, as he said, 10 years and five movies, leaving on creative differences. There might be uh, some uh, smoke to this fire.
0: There has to be. I mean, to make a drastic move like this, and especially the amount of money that's involved with this franchise. Yeah. Yeah, I'm expecting we're going to hear some stuff we don't want to hear about this.
1: Nope. Uh, Switching over to some Star Wars news. uh, At the end of next month, uh, May 26th through May 29th is Star Wars Celebration. Uh, That is the big multi-day Star Wars convention where it's all things Star Wars. Uh, Trailers have been known to drop. I know they dropped the Rise of Skywalker trailer a couple of years ago. Shows are announced. Games are announced. You never know who's going to show up. Uh, Christ Hayden Christensen showed up unannounced the, uh, the one year definitely surprised everyone uh, but there was uh, some panels listed uh, and one of which caught my eye and caught the internet's eye but and it was quickly scrubbed from the website oh. uh, and the panel is called Star Wars Tales of the Jedi uh, so reading from an article on IGN.com it reads quote Lucasfilm is doing its best to slowly expand the Star Wars universe in live action and animation the latter medium is able to do some things the former is not on a considerably smaller budget the Mandalorian and Ahsoka producer Dave Filoni even started out on the animation side of Lucasfilm. Current and upcoming shows consist of Galaxy of, uh, Galaxy of Adventure shorts, The Bad Batch Season 2, and Star Wars Visions. Because uh, it sounds like we're getting a second season of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the kid-focused Galactic Pals. Now it seems there's another animated show on the horizon. The panel schedule for Star Wars Celebration Anaheim went up earlier today, uh, as noted by Gizmodo. One panel mentioned an animated series called Tales of the Jedi. The panel description listed Filoni as an attendee, pointing to the series being another show under his purview. That schedule listing has since been scrubbed from the site. Uh, We don't know what the series will entail. It's unlikely that it's another anime anthology series like Visions. Jedi is a pretty broad concept, meaning the show could take place anywhere in the Star Wars timeline. It could take place in the Old Republic, the High Republic, Clone Wars era, or even after the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, listen, if Filoni's in charge and it's more animated, close quote, by the way, if Filoni's involved and it's more animation, fucking give it to me. Yeah, it's Filoni. You can't go wrong
0: with it. Yeah, you can't, you can't go wrong so
1: with we'll it. So we'll see where we go with that. Uh, and then some, uh, more Star Wars news, of course, uh, coming next week, uh, is May the 4th, Star Wars Day. May the force be with you. May the fourth be with you. Uh, I'm sure somebody on TV will be doing probably. I think TNT's got the TV rights these days, could be wrong. Check, I think check your local you're listings, right? Uh, there'll, there'll be a marathon on TV, probably the fourth and fifth because Revenge of the Fifth, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, but there will be some deals going on in terms of these Star Wars games. Oh, uh, so of note, you will I'm not going to go through everything, I will link the starwars.com article listing everything that is available. I'm just going to go through some of the major ones uh for console and pc you're going to have star wars battlefront 2 the celebration edition uh so i think that's got a whole bunch of bells and whistles to it it's not your standard version you'll be getting that for 80 percent off that's good through the end of uh, nice it's good april 29th to may 10th that is for playstation 4 playstation 5 xbox one xbox series x uh origin epic epics game store and steam uh star wars jedi fallen order highly recommend this game fantastic story uh, you can get f- up to 75% off the standard and deluxe editions. Oh. Uh, that good deal is good through May 10th and is good for the PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, uh, the Xbox uh, consoles, and then PC. Uh, Star Wars Squadrons, which it's a fun little game. It's uh, got a bit of a story. It's a little short, but it's it's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will be on sale for up to seventy five percent off. You can get that on PlayStation Four, Xbox One, Origin, and Steam. Uh, EA is offering a triple bundle, so it's all three of the games I just mentioned. Uh, you will get that for up to seventy percent off its uh, normal price. Uh, that is good through May tenth for the. PlayStation consoles, Xbox consoles, PC, Epic, Game Store, Origin, and Steam. Uh, Those are just some of the ones I mentioned. Uh, You you can get Star Wars Episode One Racer. That's the old game from, like, Christ, PS2 era, PS1 era, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can get that up for up to 50% off. uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, you can get up to 50% off through May 5th. Uh, That is for the PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch. Uh, The Star Wars Episode One Racer, I should mention, is for the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, and the Nintendo Switch uh also star wars jedi knight 2 jedi outcast you can get for up to 65% off these are all great wow, games. Man. these are all great games by the way uh, you can get that up to may 5th for 65% off on the playstation 4 and nintendo switch this one is a goddamn steal let me tell you star wars knights of the old republic now of course they are remaking this game but this is the og this is the original version uh for the uh apple app store and google play Through May 5th, you can get it for up to 50% off on mobile and 25% off on the Nintendo Switch. Mm. Great game. One of the best games of all time. There is the Star Wars Heritage Pack, which is Star Wars Republic Commando, Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Knight Jedi Academy, Star Wars Racer, and Star Wars The Force Unleashed. All amazing games. You can get that for 25% off.
0: Damn.
1: It's Some truly great games. Like I said, I'll, I'll list the full article and say, go through all whole... Because there's a whole bunch more. There's a whole bunch of stuff in here. I mean, you can get Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2, The Sith Lords. You can get that for $5. Damn. On mobile. Christ, it, it's a steal. Uh, so definitely some good deals to pick up and some great games to pick up.
0: Well, you know what? It's going into May the 4th be with you. And yeah. we, we know that if you're into anything Star Wars, this is the time you go pick that up. I mean... And what are deals? I mean, like I said, the deals are something that, you know, there's a couple games I've been on the fence about grabbing. I think I might have to go swing through and do it.
1: Uh, switching over to some CinemaCon news because CinemaCon has been going on. That's the convention where all the movie studios show up and they kind of give you some details and stuff that's coming up and maybe make some announcements. Sure. Uh, one of the announcements that was made is that we got the title for James Cameron's upcoming sequel to Avatar, uh, Avatar, which has been called Avatar 2 since Christ, well, the movie came out 10 years ago. Yeah. It's been forever that this movie has been in development. Uh, but we did get a title for it and it is called Avatar The Way of Water. And we did get a release date uh, with the, the Uh, title, uh, debuts on uh, December 16th of this year and with the sequels pencil this date in pencil this date in uh, sequels to come out on December 20th of 2024 uh, December 18th of 2026 and December 22nd of 2028. Again this movie has been in development for 10 goddamn years and in development for so long. We will see if anyone's, you know, actually still cares about this movie. You know, it was great for its time story Meh, you know I'm I might see it, but that depends on what the trailer looks like.
0: Visually impressive is the only nice thing you can say about this movie. Otherwise, it's hot garbage, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry.
1: And, <laughs> yeah, and if you weren't one of the four people who didn't see this movie when it came out initially or since it's been out, uh it has been remastered and will be re released in theaters worldwide on September twenty third, twenty twenty two. And for those of you who are saying they're going, oh, they're just doing it to piss Avatar. They already did it. They released... Or Avengers, you mean. Avengers, yeah. They, they're doing it just to piss Avengers Endgame. Uh, look up the numbers, folks. They already did it. They re-released the movie in China last year, I think. It was either I think it was last year they re-released the movie in China and because Avengers Endgame barely passed... Uh, Avatar Avatar retook the lead, so stop. It's not that
0: reason. You know the thing about the franchise. The only thing good about it is like if you go to see it in three D. Oh, I did. Otherwise, there's no purpose for this movie. Like I'm sorry for all the hype that they they try making about this damn movie. It just doesn't make any sense. Like I say, I was not a fan of it. Like if if that's your fandom, hey, kudos. Yeah. Do you? But me. Like, I don't need five of them.
1: I I watched, I saw the sequel with somebody I was dating at the time, or I saw the original one, somebody I was dating at the time, saw it on uh, New Year's Eve, made the mistake of not getting tickets ahead of time, because I didn't know that was a thing at the time, and I ended up sitting front row, Uh, and saw it in 3D, because everyone was raving about the 3D, you know, and the floating mountain scene was cool. But the rest of it, 3D felt highly unnecessary. I mean, 3D has kind of fallen off the face of the earth at this point. Nobody's really doing 3D anymore. I doubt they'll do 3D for this movie.
0: Not jump the shark. I mean, yeah. I mean that's the easiest way yeah. you can put it. Is like it was cool for bringing the 3D phase back, but yeah. but it,
1: it's it's I'll be, and I'll be 100 percent honest. I've said it before. I'll say it again. You know, I wanted this movie when it came out on Blu-ray to own. Mm-hmm. You know, because I at the time I really liked the movie. But my mom, when she went to go get it for me for Christmas, Blu-ray was sold out. Mm. But what they did have, I forget where she got it. One of the, It was one of the local stores, you know, Target, Walmart, so Best Buy, something like that, one of those stores. They were sold out of Blu-ray, so there was another copy there. It was DVD, and it had the theatrical cut, the extended cut, and then the director's cut. Neat. You know, and so that year for Christmas Eve, because my family, every year for Christmas Eve, we'd go see a movie. We were going to go to the local, you know, two dollar theater and see something they had closed early because nobody was showing up or whatever it was they, mm-hmm. closed, they closed early so we went back to the house and we're like oh hey you know sh- mom hadn't seen it you know so we're like oh m- my sister hadn't seen it so we're like oh, hey why don't we throw that in i legitimately haven't watched the movie since like yeah. I, I flipped tv channels and passed it but it's not one of those movies i've sat there and gone oh avatar's on i want to watch this like it's like oh hey it's on okay i legitimately haven't watched the movie in
0: maybe 10 years I can't remember the last time I saw it because I just don't even care about it. Yeah. Like, like I said, it was is is cool seeing it once, but I don't need anything else in my life like that. Yeah.
1: Uh, switching over to some Walking Dead news, we got some surprise announcements that uh, Melissa McBride has exited the spinoff series of Ooh. Carol and Daryl. Uh, so this coming to us from the folks over at Deadline, it reads, quote, uh, Melissa McBride, who has starred as Carol in The Walking Dead since the series launch, will not be part of the planned, untitled spinoff slated for 2023. The so-called Carol Daryl spinoff was to be focused on her and Norman The uh, Walking Dead characters. Uh, gave a quote saying, uh, Melissa McBride has given life to one of the most interesting real human and popular characters in the Walking Dead universe. Unfortunately, she is no longer able to participate in the previously announced spinoff focused on the Daryl Dixon and Carol uh, Pallater characters, which will be set and filmed in Europe this summer and premiere next year relocating to europe it became logistically untenable for melissa at this time we know fans will be disappointed by this news but the walking dead universe continues to grow and expand in interesting ways and we very much hope to see carol again in the near future close quote uh amc said in a statement on wednesday uh so it just sounds like for whatever reason melissa McBride is unable to go to filming over in europe whether it be personal reasons like she can't commitment prior commitment she's got with family friends whatever it is you know, or she's just got something else lined up. That's like, hey, I was able to pull it off if we we're filming here in the states, but I can't pull it off if I'm across the ocean. So, no, no bad situation. You know, no ill will or anything like that. Just like, hey, I just can't do it.
0: Yeah, thought it was very interesting though, because obviously this is the problem, and we talked about this off air. You shouldn't go hyping shows up. Uh huh. How many years in advance? Uh uh-huh. Stuff like this could happen. So, when the show final comes out, it
1: will have been at least two if not three years
0: yeah so uh well let's wait to see what norman Reedus does about this one yeah we'll see i'm just gonna put it out there uh
1: also announced at CinemaCon, uh surprising absolutely no one uh we are getting a sequel to matt reeves the batman (gasps) and robert pattinson matt reeves and zoe kravitz will all return to reprise their roles so that surprises absolutely no one uh the movie's made over a hot 760 million dollars around the world uh, and had uh, according to estimates over 4.1 million households watch the movie in the first week it was on hbo max so the the hype is there
0: give me court of owls damn it uh-huh
1: quarter Owls or a good mr freeze I'll, yeah. i'd be all right with mr freeze
0: e- either or but man quarter owls you know i'll mark out for absolutely that's my number one i want to see done
1: Yeah, Uh, also announced today at CinemaCon, uh, Lionsgate announced that uh, the prequel to The Hunger Games, uh, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, uh, is going to uh, hit theaters on November 17th of 2023. Uh, So that's kind of in line with the previous Hunger Games movies. They all came out around the Thanksgiving uh, holiday. Uh, You had The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, and then Mockingjay Part 1 and Mockingjay Part 2. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is based off of the book uh, by the author, Suzanne Collins, which came out, I want to say 2019? 2019 or 2020, somewhere in there, because I remember they unveiled no 2019 because I remember they unveiled the cover at New York Comic Con. Hmm. It was a giant billboard looking thing in the Javits Center that they had covered up, and it, like on the cover, it, the the little fabric covering it, they said, "Oh, you know, Hunger Games prequel." Uh, cover to be revealed, whatever day it was, and then later in later in the uh, weekend, I was like, "Oh, hey, there's the cover. Yeah. I, that's cool." Uh, I'm a, I have read part of the book. I got tied up reading other things. The book's really good, you know. I don't want to give anything away for the movie, uh, but I'm I'm interested to see this because it's got some potential. I think.
0: Hunger Games was never my thing, but you know what? I know the fandom is very big, so you know, we'll kind of have to wait to see how this all plays yeah. out.
1: Uh, and then one that definitely caught my eye, because this, again, much like Avatar 2, is a movie that has been teased and announced and rumored for so goddamn long. For me, it's like The Flash for you. I won't believe this is actually coming until I see a goddamn trailer. Uh, and that is the uh, movie Wicked, which is based off of the Broadway musical by the same name. I'm fortunate enough to have seen the Broadway musical uh, back when I was in high school. Uh, Universal announced at CinemaCon that its uh, feature take on the Smash Broadway musical uh, is going to be split into two parts, uh, the first of which coming on Christmas Day, December 2024, and then December uh, Christmas Day the following year, 2025. Basically, uh, what was said is the director, John M. Chu, uh you know basically said hey there's too much in this story and in this musical for us to cut we don't want to cut any cut any of the songs we don't want to cut any of the dialogue so we're going to just make it simple and split it up into uh two movies if you're not familiar it is the uh story untold story of the uh witches of oz so uh the good witch and the wicked witch of the west it's it's before i tell you this If you're not familiar with the story and you see this movie, it's going to change the way you look at that uh, Wizard of Oz. Yeah, It's a great musical and it's a great story. Uh, It is based on the best-selling novel by Gregory Maguire, who I had the fortunate opportunity to meet. Somehow he, he managed to come to my high school at my senior year. How? I have no damn idea. I've never heard the story of how Gregory Maguire, who inspired one of the biggest... Hits in Broadway history came to my high school, and I got my copy of the book autographed by him. How I have no idea. It, it happened, but it did, you know. But it, it's a it's a great story, and it's a great musical, and I'm ex- and I'm excited to see. It. But again, it's one of those that it's been rumored for so goddamn long. If it actually comes out, I'll believe it when I see a trailer.
0: Yeah, I'm not holding a lot of breath on this one. Nope. Just pointing that out there. Mm-hmm. So for mine, man, it's a stacked week at the comic shop. I can't even stress about how big this week is going into next week as well because pad you know what next week is may the 4th no free comic book day.
1: Oh, i was gonna say revenge of the 5th
0: no it's gonna be going down may 7th but we'll be talking about that next week oh. this week though just get the quick notable ones out of the way justice league 75 DC Comics, De- wow. Death of the Justice League. Oh, yeah, that's this, this is the one that everybody's really kind of hyping about. It's going to set a tone for DC Comics this coming year.
1: I give it six to nine months before they're alive again.
0: Yeah, I mean... I, this, this shit ain't permanent. Yeah, that's the whole thing about it. But it's definitely making a lot of noise at the comic shops. I know there's a lot of debate about the issue. So definitely go check that one out. And on the Marvel side, it, it pains me when I see this. And I'm not that I am mad that I see this book. But any time we hit the reset button and go back to a number one, yeah, instead of just doing legacy read... What I guess. DC? No, this is Marvel. Oh, wow. DC's notorious for this shit. Yeah, no. Amazing Spider-Man number one. Mm. Zeb Wells and John Romita Jr. on the book.
1: I would say DC is notorious for doing this, especially with their uh, hardcover trade paperbacks, which makes it an absolute pain in the fucking ass to collect any of them because they all say volume one. Yeah. You got to know who was the writer, what order they came out in, and that's if you're lucky and and they put the numbers on the back of the book.
0: Yeah. Well, it's going to be an interesting creative team, so at least I'm excited to go, go pick that up. But I hate it when it's like a classic hero like that when it's like... Yeah. Why are we hitting the reset? Like, I understand. I, it's Marvel. It's it's what they right, do. Right, but I think at least
1: with Marvel, they do put the legacy numbering on
0: the book, if I remember right. Yeah. Like,
1: they will have the number one, number two, number three, whatever, for that run. But I think underneath it will say, like, LGY or LGCY or something, and then the number. Yeah. So,
0: at least there's that. There is that, but still, I mean, I, I'm just too old school in my uh, reading for that. And, so. maybe
1: it, and maybe I'm confusing it with DC. I know one of the two does it that
0: way. No, Marvel does it occasionally, but, like, sometimes they'll stray away from it, and like, at least... For the amount of the times I read it, I'm like, okay. I know like they were doing it and then they kind of stopped and went away and blah blah blah. It's one thing, it's just man, just keep it one volume. Like every like this is one makes comics comics. We don't need a million number ones of an issue. I'm sorry, just putting it out there. But also looking at the deck though, gotta recommend Rogue Sun number three, written by Pat's friend, Ryan Parrott. Yeah. Enable uh listen, the book has been dope since it came out of the supermassive crossover. Definitely has hit all strides. Go check it out. Done by Image Comics. Uh, maybe one day we'll get lucky, and we will start doing that for parlay points. Maybe. I'm putting the karma out there. So I know that people listen there, and I know that you know we've kind of been trying to like play a little email tag, so I'm just kind of saying we want to start doing the massive verse on the parlay points because we want to give that whole universe some love because they're doing some really cool things there. But speaking of parlay points, this week's lineup, man, I'm telling you what. Not saying it because we are fortunate enough to have press access. But my god, man, Boom and Valiant had a badass week. Badass. Ooh. Badass comics coming out. And leading off from Valiant Entertainment, The Harbinger number 7. If you're a long-time listener of the podcast, you know how much I love this book. This is true. This is the penultimate issue though. So, it will be stopping at issue 8. To what degree maybe they're going to come back cuz valiant kind of does that a little bit every now and then yeah yeah. i haven't seen any plans down the road just yet for peter stankey but i'm definitely excited to see how this story ends the book has been on point since its debut i love this book i'm a super fan of it i'm really excited to see maybe they're gonna take some time off and come back to this book colin kelly jackson lansing and robbie rodriguez have absolutely knocked it out of the park set up for the final battle between the harbinger and the renegade and holy crap, man, if you like absolutely blow away artwork and storytelling, this is your book. I'm I give it my highest recommendation. I love this book. But on the boom side of things, boom studios, man, this was tough. I could have just done the whole like lineup for them this week, but I had to narrow it down. Berserker number eight. Now, pad, do you know what berserker is about? Nope. If I say Keanu Reeves wrote this and this is uh his little forte in the comics, what does that mean to you? Uh, It piques my interest a little bit. Yes. So this is a project that's been heavily hyped about. It was done by Kickstarter, and then now Boom is doing it as well here, too. There is a lot of hype going about this, too, because Netflix has definitely got this ear to the book as well. Berserker number eight, though, is continuing the story, and it is a wild one. If you're jumping in now, they're heading into the final act. It's absolutely getting crazy in this book, and I have no idea how this is going to end, but the artwork by Ron Garney is on point. Matt Kent and Keanu Reeves are the writers on this and teamed up, and they are absolutely crushing it on this book. So if you are jumping in late, go get the trade paperbacks and jump in and grab this issue because it's well worth the time. Also, coming out this week, not Power Rangers, not Mighty Morphin, but Power Rangers Universe. So this one... Definitely is continuing the saga of the Phantom Ranger. This is issue five or six, so this is another penultimate issue. So, if you're not familiar with this book, go check it out. Nicole Andelfinger and Simone Regazzoni are absolutely killing it on this book. And they are bringing this mysterious character of the Marty Morphin Power Rangers mythos to life. Gotcha. Yes. So, definitely an exciting issue. Definitely, it was a lot of stuff I was super excited about. But... Man, I tell you what, my favorite issue this week, and this is tough because I had so many books I was definitely into this week. Something is Killing the Children, number 22, James Tynan, Werther DeLoreta. Man, this book, Erica Slaughter is back and back in a big way. They're doing the slow burn for this book. It's not for the faint of heart, though, Uh because I did put out a warning because I said, "Pad, I'm going to show Pad the commercial. Holy shit. Yeah, I don't think that's really meant for kids.
1: Those of you with weak constitutions, don't pick up this book.
0: Yeah. I give the fair warning in the block because, I like, listen, this is a horror comic and with elements of horror, I should say. It's such a cool book, though. Like, I am super into whatever they're doing with the Something is Killing the Children universe. House of Slaughter has always been on point, too. So there is a lot to pick up. So definitely shout out to Boom Studios. Shout out to Valiant Entertainment doing big things this week. You can read about them more on Parlay Points this week. Head over to the comic reviews and check them all out before you go to the comic shops because I've heard uh, we are actually turning on some listeners into readers. So super excited to get that feedback. I love hearing that. And definitely, as always, support your local comic shops, especially next week, damn it. Free comic book day. Yeah. Let's fucking go. Yeah. Be previewing that next week. Oh, man. There's so much more i got to get into reading, too. It's not even funny.
1: I almost forgot one thing. Uh, It was announced today by the folks at Call of Duty that the next Call of Duty game from Infinity Ward, Modern Warfare 2
0: Remake. Oh, damn. Uh Uh-huh. Ooh.
1: Motherfuckers might actually get me to buy a Call of
0: Duty game again. I know. Man, it's been a hot minute. Uh Uh-huh. It's been a real hot minute. You know what else has been a hot minute, Pad? What's that? We haven't got any Shot of the Robots music. True. But we do have it at the beginning of the show. Pat, if I want to find out more about shout, where do I go? odphpodcast.com. Right on. Swing it over to the music section. Check out everything on the shout. Everything on Second Suitor. Tom Jolo. Yard Party. Floodlands. Brian Wolf, who's right now locked and loaded on his television because he's watching the NFL Draft. I uh-huh. know. His, I don't even need a crystal ball. I, can know, I know what he's doing down in Texas. Listen, go over. Check out everybody that's on the music section. They are doing fantastic work. You need to go support the hell out of them because they're i will start to play some gigs now live. I'm seeing all you know, like all this pop up now. Yeah, that's the easiest place to find them because we we try promoting the hell out of them. Also, while you're at the website, check out the T Public store. No better time right now. Items are thirty five or up to thirty five percent off. Thirty five percent off, Pat. That's nice. And t shirts starting at $13. Like, how, like, you want to rock that Parlay Club shirt? I know because I, I know how many we've sold. <laughs> so, you definitely want to join the bandwagon on that. And also, go check out some other cool swag there as well. Sale is going on through Sunday. So, definitely go check that out. The link is right in the liner notes. What can we say? Also, we got the classified section. So we have all our amazing pod friends via their pod chaser pages, organizational link support and black lives matter. All our friends of the show, such as dragon master games, excite wrestling, off the cuff gaming, Super big. Man, I could keep going on and on about that. And, of course, our friends over at A122 Productions, which, Pad, what is going on this weekend? Uh, it's
1: their fourth uh, four-year anniversary live stream.
0: Yes. The extravaganza, as Rich says. Watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, the good one. Yes, the good one. So, no idea who's going to be swinging through. I'm, I'm locked and loaded. I should be down there barring any kind of wild, crazy scenario that I can't make it down for that. So, you know, it's going to be fun. Twitch.tv slash Seven podcast All of that the directory where how many providers are we on now Pat? oh
1: 20,102
0: sounds about right if it is odph anything it is found at odphpodcast.com and that's all i got for this week so for the to leave how of 1j thank you thank you i'm your host ken em. thank you as always for listening to the odph podcast better known as the ocho duro parlay hour see you next time <laughs>